Open your Bible, if you would, please, and let me show you, uh, or if you have one, Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. Repeat the top with me, please. Say, building, building. A, new a new mind. This is the fifth part and the last part of this series on building a new mind. It is part of the annual, the series for the year, where we're talking about how to build a future. The whole year we're talking about how do you build a future. Building a future is our theme, and our goal is to start where we are and build a better future. The question I'm answering all year is simply this, how do you do that? It's one thing to tell me what to do, it's another thing to tell me how. My argument is, in order to build a future, you have to build a new way of thinking. It starts with your mind. If you don't think differently, you're not going to have any different result. And so the question is, how do you think as a person? What, what is your mental process like? How do you decide to be angry or not be angry? How do you decide to do something or not do something? It's all about how you think. And so my goal is to show you, and that's why in these last four sermons I've done that. Today, there is one last piece I want to add to this. Next week, I take a different turn and we talk about the second thing you need to build a future, and that is you need a new approach. And we'll talk the whole month about finances, and that's a part of it, but February and September every year I talk about finances in some form. But this is not a sermon series that will be about giving as such. I mean, that's typically what churches talk about, is how to get you to give more money, which I hope I can motivate you to do, but that's not the beginning place in this new series. The place we're going to start next week has to do with wealth building. And I'll give you in the bottom of your notes, there's a read-ahead verse, Matthew 25 is where I'll be for the whole month. And I'm going to spend the entire month breaking down for you four simple principles about being wise, being foolish, and about being a good steward and a bad steward. And there are four elements that we'll talk about next week. But that's next week. But right now, I want to conclude this series, and I want you to look with me, and I want you to notice with me there are specific things that I believe that a person can do that changes the way they think. And so the way that, uh, the only title I can come up with for this sermon is this. Repeat it with me, please say, just me. me. Have you ever been in a time in your life when it was just you, nobody else? Your mind works differently when it's just you. When you realize that there's nobody else that's going to help you, nobody else is going to save you, nobody else is going to fix it, it's just me. Just me, just my family, just me. Nobody is going to be there for me, just me. My house is not going to be clean if I don't do it. This is a guy we're going to study, his name is Noah, who's in a world and there's nobody like him, just him. And he is the son of a guy named Lamech. And he's the grandson of a guy you've heard of named Methuselah, right? The oldest man ever lived. And then he is the ninth descendant from Adam. Now, this is important because in Genesis chapter 3, we studied that Adam had a son, um, and Eve had a son named Cain. Who had a, they had a son, next son named Abel. So they had Cain and Abel. Cain. Did I say say it? Yeah, I did, right? Hang with me. <laughs> Cain had a son, Cain and Abel, and then Cain slew Abel, and then he had another son named Seth. So I want you to understand that, that it, those are the highlights. Now, there are a lot of people born in between that. There are a lot of girls and boys, be it hundred, and there, there could be a hundred, hundreds of years between them. 
But basically, the first two kids, first three kids, were Cain, Abel, and Seth. Say those names. Come on. Cain, Abel, and Seth. And that's important because we see Cain in our last study was unchangeable. In Genesis 4, he was the kid that would never change. And it's important when you read chapter 4 of Genesis to realize this is a guy that's not going to change. And I ask you, did you know anybody that's unchangeable? Do you know anybody who is not going to change? They decided they want to be a certain way, and that's the way they're going to be. Now, then I, I promised you that this week we talk about someone who is changeable, and that is Noah. He's a changeable person. He changed when everybody around him was unchangeable. It was just him. Now, I want you to this, put this in your mind. What's it like to be the only person on the job who's God-fearing? What's it like to be the only person of all your siblings who goes to church, who prays? Who's, what's it like to be the only person who's, who's in your environment who's not violent? What's it like to be just by yourself? You're the only person who cares about those things. You're the only person who seems to want to talk about that. You're the only person who cleans up your house. Some of you say, oh, I can relate to that, right? When it's just you, you are by yourself when it comes to supporting the family. Nobody else in the family cares about money. Everybody spends, 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 spends. Nobody really seems to care about how the car is kept or what, when it's just you. And there are those moments when it's just you. And the question is, how do, your, how do you think? You have to learn something powerful about being by yourself. It's what God called you to be sometimes. And it's all that can be. There's nothing that will change in this guy's life. And what I want to do is take a journey and show you the changing world Noah lived in. And I want to show you how it turned into this world. Because it wasn't always this way. There was a clear line of people who were obeying God. They were following God. They were the descendants of Seth. But then there were those who were unchangeable. Who were Cain's descendants. All from the same family. Have you ever, have you ever wondered how you could have two children. One acts like Cain. And one acts like Seth. Have you ever said that? How did, I, how did I birth this kid? You look at him and you see him on the video with his face all covered up. But you know that's your, your son's head. You saw him when he come home. Mama, I didn't, I didn't rob that store. I saw your head. Boy, I know that head anywhere. How in the world could you go to church and raise them in the house of God and they come up and want to be sexy mama? How you want to be sexy mama all of a sudden? What makes you want to be that girl? Why are you jumping in and out of windows? What's the deal? Why? Why? Well, why don't you work? Why do you want to be a gangbanger? You, your, your mama's a school teacher. Your daddy's a plumber and you want to be a gangbanger. What's the problem? What you, and you turn that like you're from the street. You grew up right here on the corner. What you talking about? You didn't grow up. You had a place to stay all your life food. Why are you acting like a gangbanger? You just don't understand where they got it from. What is this? Well, I want you to understand, in Genesis 6, you see what happens. It's called choices. People start making new choices. And some of you were fine in your life when it was just you, but all of a sudden, all your friends are making choices. And you're making the same choices. And I had that experience in my life. I remember as a young person, there were moments when I made important decisions. Just me. I decided that I didn't want to be that person. I witnessed some things and I said, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want my life to be stained that way. 
I don't want to be defined that way. Not me. So let me show you the decline. Genesis chapter 6, verse 1. In Noah's day, I call it the changing world Noah lived in. Number one, notice the, un the godly and the ungodly changed and they married each other. So people who were from Cain's side of the fence and Seth's side of the fence kind of met each other. And all of a sudden they start saying, you know what, he's not really my kind of guy or she's not really my kind of girl, but she does a few bad things and nobody's perfect and so they got together. Now listen to what it says. Now came to pass, this is Genesis 6 and 1, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful and they took wives for themselves of all who, of whom they chose. Most declines start in relationships. Most declines. Your life changes when you fall in love with somebody. You now have to justify their behavior. Some of you never did drugs until you dated certain people. You never drank. You were not a um, throw your body around person. But to keep this person, you, you, you compromised your values. Things you didn't even want to do, you did, because you were trying to keep the relationship. And that's what started happening here. And some of you are facing that right now. You're, you're, in, you're in this incredible moment, and I understand it. Oh, boy, do I understand it. That dopamine flying through your body. You know, dopamine is the reward drug. You know, it's that thing that you get to go, oh, yeah. I, I beat Pastor Rick running. My, my, uh, my wife posted a, a race Milani and I had in the mall the other day. Uh, and uh, she would say, ready, say, go! And she'd take off, and I'd chase her, and she'd say, go! And it was just run until she, then she got tired, and she stopped and started breathing. <sighs> it's hilarious. <laughs> but when you win that race, when she wins that race, she gets a little shot of dopamine. Ah, beat, beat pops, I beat him. There's something about that feeling. And a lot of us have been chasing that in relationships over and over again. A little shot of joy. And you compromise for it. You, you, that's what drugs, and drugs reproduce that same kind of feeling. That re, it gives you a reward for something you didn't do. You didn't win the race, you just took a drug. Made you feel euphoric. It's the cheat, the shortcut, that doesn't work. And I, I, I think what's really tragic is when you sit back and you look at people's lives and you see this incredible compromise taking place centered around relationships, Noah's world starts to change. I think it's a powerful thought to think that most corruption starts in relationships. Where you start, that's the first place you start compromising your values. And please note, some people believe this was more than that. Some people have a really interesting view about this. Let me read the next statement to you and I'll come back to, to what I put here as a note. Second thing what you notice is the Lord promised that without change, his spirit would not continue with men. The Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. Notice God's response is he's getting a little tired of this. Yet his days shall be 120 years. Now verse 4 is what I want to get to. There were giants on the earth. Read that with me, please. Come on. There were what? Giants on the earth in those days. And also afterwards, when the sons of God came in to the daughters of men and they bore children to them, those were mighty men who were old of old and, and men of renown. One of the things that's really interesting about this whole discussion in Genesis 6 is there's a, 
a mythological kind of um, Herculean. You've heard of Hercules, all this stuff. A lot of that comes, uh, is, comes into the interpretation of this text for some people. And for years, I kind of believed it. Let me, let me kind of describe how it went. Let me go back to verse 1. It came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God, so the daughters of men, that they were beautiful. They took wives for themselves of whom they chose. Some people believed that, that those were fallen angels. And they believed that angels married women and that they had these gigantic babies and they were, it's just, it's some out of Hercules. Verse 3, the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with men for, forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his day shall be 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days. And, after, and also afterward when the sons of God, so that whole idea of the giants, that was part of this whole, quote, mythological idea that there were these magical men and I just don't believe that I believe these were simply men and for those of you who aren't that deep and don't care about all that ignore what I just said but for those of you who know about that whole study then I don't believe these were Nephilim's fallen ones who were somehow like I said angels and and the angels who fell with Lucifer and this is for the, those who know about this part of the Bible they were that they were in chains. The scripture. This is not. This is not. This is not Rosemary's baby. If you know what that is, too. This is not that kind of thing. These were just men who were godly who married ungodly people, and, and vice versa. So now, what you have is the Cain's family and Seth's family are now united. And if you don't know what all that meant, just pray for it. Praise God. Let it go. Bottom line is the godly and the ungodly marry. Say that with me, please. Come on. The godly and the ungodly Mary. And when that happens, something changes. Now, just to prove the point that there is no Rosemary's baby stuff, you know what that is, don't worry about it. But here, Matthew twenty-two thirty says, angels don't procreate. They don't have children. The Bible said when we get to heaven that that part of our life is over. You won't have to have children that way. So Matthew twenty-two thirty says that. And so I want to just say, for those of you who are in this when you get to this part of the Bible, you automatically start thinking about all that. I'm saying, no, put all that aside. These are just normal people. And some of them were big, some of them were tall, and that doesn't matter because some of them were big, some of them were tall. That's not an issue. There were giants on the earth, and the Bible says that they united. And here's what happened in verse 5. The Lord changed and adjusted his plans to match man's rebellion. So number one, the godly and ungodly changed and married each other. Number two, the Lord promised that without change, his spirit would not continue or strive. He was saying, listen, this can't continue. The way that you're living, the way that your life is going cannot continue. This is not going to be something that's going to continue down this road. And that's a lesson for all of us to learn. Thirdly, he says, I'm going to adjust now my plans to match your rebellion. In other words, if you do this, I'm now going to do that. Here's what he said in verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry, this is important, that he made man on earth. He was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air. For I am sorry that I made them, but Noah found what? Grace. Grace. Please know something. This is, a, this is one of those lessons about how God responds to us. He matches our response you rebel he matches that you repent he matches you it's kind of like what you do with your kids right you know you don't do what I say there's a problem right 
And so he says, if you're not responding, there's a problem. So what happens here is this profound statement is made, but there's one guy by himself, Noah, who found grace. One guy. And I just think it's just amazing. I just wish I could ask him questions. So I listed three questions I would ask Noah if I could. Three questions I would ask this guy who witnessed the whole world be flooded, who witnessed everything around him. Catch this now, his uncles, his aunts, his nephews, his mother, his father could have been living. I mean, all, all, everybody you know, imagine this, everybody you know but your sons, three sons, and their wives die. Imagine that in a flood. And you sit there and you watch this. He lives over 900 years. This is a guy who lived a long time. This is a guy who has an incredible view of life. He's hundreds of years old before he starts having a family. It's amazing. And so here's a guy I would ask three questions. Number one, what is it like to be ignored by everybody but your immediate family? What's that like? To have everybody ignore you. Nobody paid you any attention for over 900 years. Amazing. Listen to what uh, I wrote for you. It's a Bible verse note here. Matthew 24, verse 36, talks about Noah's story. And here's how it says. But it said, of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. Notice. Notice their activities. Notice how he describes them. He says, hey, they, were, they, were, they didn't believe. I said, Noah, what is it like to have nobody believe you? They were partying, giving in marriage, swapping wives, eating and drinking, partying, and they did not know, verse 39, until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. People are ignoring it. But Noah, what is it like to be the only one? We don't like being like this, I can tell you now. It's tough. Second question I'd ask him is, what is it like to watch everybody around you fail and be left behind? That's hard, too. You're the only one that has faith. Nobody else believes anything you say. You're building this big ship. You're building this big ark. And nobody, everybody, you're the talk of the neighborhood. What is it like for you to watch everybody drown in debt, in issues, and you're not? What is that like? I'll tell you what it's like. I would imagine it's hard. I would imagine it was hard. You know, the Lord would not allow anybody on the boat, by the way. He told him, he said, only your family. Only your family. Nobody's getting on but you and your family. No cousin, no uncle, no nephew, no friend, no neighbor, nobody. Just you. Because everybody around you has become violent. Everybody around you has changed. Refuses to change, rather. Number three, I'd ask him, what is it like to be the only person in the world with these five attributes? You ready? Number one, just. Second Peter 2.5 calls him a preacher of righteousness. Perfect. He's mature. He walked with God. He was a guy who was not corrupt. He was a guy who was not violent. What's it like to be the only guy in the world like that? Now, here's something that I think is an interesting note. Noah was, kids were not ever described as being perfect. And this is important. His kids were never described. If you read in, in Genesis 9, verse 18 through 25, 
there was a story about how his kids saw him in a very embarrassing moment. He, he got drunk. And um, you might say, oh, that's a bad mark. Yeah, but that's not highlighted in the text. That's not an excuse for you to go do it today. But the point of the story is not that he overdrank, that he drank and, you know, I, I don't know, the Bible said after the harvest came in, he drank a little bit much and fell down and, and he was exposed. His clothes fell off him, I guess. I don't know. That's pretty bad. He, that lets you know you shouldn't drink. You take all your clothes off. Took his clothes off, laid down, and his sons, two of his sons saw him and covered him up. His other son, Ham, saw him and and the Bible says some interesting things about that. He gazed at him, stared at him, mocked him. It was, a, it was a very embarrassing thing. And so when Noah woke up from his sleep, Noah um, said to Ham something that has been misinterpreted for a long time. He said, curse be Canaan, which is Ham's son. Literally what he was saying, not curse be Ham and all of his descendants. He was saying, you know that same spirit, you said this about your kids, right? I see that same spirit in you, your boy. Your, your, your son has that same spirit. That talking back spirit, that arrogant spirit. You said it. You see it growing. And so he looks at Ham and he says, Ham, listen, um, what you just did mocking me in my embarrassing moment, I see that same lustful, lying, deceitful spirit in your son, Canaan. Cursed be Canaan. Canaan's going to become the son who magnifies what you just did. And truly, that was the one he cursed. And that was the one he said would have hardship. And literally what he was doing was, he wasn't like some witchcraft thing saying, you know, Alakazam, Al it wasn't none of that. It was simply saying, I see what's going to happen to you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When you look at the people, you say, I see what's coming. Hardship, that's what a curse is. Hardship is coming your way. And, and it's going to start with that boy right there, Canaan, your son. And there's, there's this incredible moment where you see the imperfection in Noah's children. Noah's kids were not perfect, but they got on the ark. Noah's kids, one more time, were never described the way he's described. It's only Noah. He was just. He was perfect. He would walk with God. He was not corrupt. He was not violent. But his kids made it on the ark. How can that be? They believed along with their father. Sometimes you may not be perfect, but you believe. Now, here's, here's what the Bible says about Noah. The Bible says Noah, Hebrews 11 and 7, by faith Noah, under number 2 in your notes, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared for an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. Hebrews says Noah was a man of great faith, and Noah's kids believed their dad enough to get on the boat. You know what's interesting? You may not agree with everything people tell you, but you need to come to church. And some of you have been spared because you, 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 may, you, may, you may have some issues, but you didn't go that far. His kids got on the boat. Tell your neighbor, say, at least get on the boat. Come on, at least get on the boat. Because sometimes you're saved because you're with the right people. Are you with me? So they got on the boat. Now, what's interesting is, let me give you a verse. This is an important verse. Part verse chapter 13. Young people, you don't remember anything I say today? You remember this one? You, never, you better remember everything I said. But if, if you choose to forget everything I say, here's the verse I want you to commit to memory. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Here's what it says. Walk with the wise and become what? Wise. 
For the companion, this is important, of fools suffers harm. Now, I've been reading the Bible for a long time, but I heard Andy Stanley do a series called Guardrails. Google it, watch it. It's a four or five part series. It is phenomenal. It's called Guardrails. And in this series, he uses this verse. And it was the way he, I, was, I was exercising, had my earplugs in, and I remember where I was standing when he read this verse. And he said these words. He said, oftentimes the fool doesn't get harmed. It's the companion of the fool. Listen to what it says now. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. I had a friend. He went to see a fight. You know, they, they see a fight. And he runs to, and, they, and he got shot in the hip. Bam. The companion of fools got shot. Not the fool. The fool didn't shoot himself. The fool shot the companion. Say amen if you got the point. <laughs> Sometimes you need to understand the wisdom of being in the right place at the right time. And the danger of being with the wrong people. If I were to look at your friends, would I find people that I think and you think really are not good for you? Would you look at your life and say, Pastor, this has been helpful to me. So what does this all mean to you? Let me give you four things to take home with you. Number one, you need to focus on what you believe. Noah had to ignore everybody around him. I believe in this art, even nobody believes in it. I believe in prayer, if nobody believes in it. I believe in doing what's just, if nobody believes in it. I'm not going to steal. I'm not going to join you in that. I'm not going to laugh at that joke. I don't care what anybody says. Number two, you, must, you need to focus on who is willing to grow and change. If some of the people aren't willing to change, don't spend your life. And some of you parents, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. This is important. You know that boy is not changing. Stop pretending you're dealing with a Christian. You got a Canaanite in your house. You may wonder how you birthed him, but that's a Canaanite. You, you understand what I'm saying? Stop acting like he, no, he's not. He's not, she is not, that is not. And if you deal with her and you leave her with your house, you know, if you deal with a Canaanite, they got to leave when you leave. Come on, Canaanite, we got to all get out here together. Come on. <laughs> Give me the key, come on. Canaanite, can't have a key, can't have a key, Canaanite. You bringing drugs in here. Canaanite, can't have a key to my house. You had drugs in here? Police kicking the door, we all go to jail? Ain't that right, officers? All right, everybody going, right? Everybody going. And they're right, officer, everybody going. The police telling y'all they all going. <laughs> Some of y'all say, he got the police in here? Oh, Jesus. Oh. <laughs> don't worry, they don't see your warrant. Hopefully not, Jesus. Anyway, but, but <laughs> I used to tell people, if you got a warrant, don't come. Praise God. Stream. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Is that bad? Is that bad? Is that a bad thing to say? I'm sorry. Let's repent together, Father. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that in church. I don't know why I said that. Can I get off topic for a minute? You know, you know one of the reasons I got the sheriff? I got people, I got, because they, they, they manage the jail, so they know people when they see them. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. They can recognize you. <laughs> Come on, say amen if you're with me. Y'all done got me all off my sermon. What was that saying? What was that? I'm off. What was, that? What was the last thing I just said? What, what, what? Canaanite. Got a Canaanite in the house. 
Why should you be the dumbest one in the world? You should know I got a Canaanite. No, boy, you smoke weed. You come in your house and smell like weed. Now you can't, there ain't no air freshener. <laughs> That's not air freshener. Come here, come here. You think I'm crazy? Well, I ain't high. You done? Look at your eyes. Yeah, look in the mirror. You know how you know it's because you used to smoke. <laughs> now, you ain't gonna say amen to that, are you? You gonna, you gonna be quiet now? Ain't no amens. Ain't no thank you, Jesuses. Everybody, look at holy now. Lift your hands up. Act like you don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know what Pastor Rick talking about right now. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes, you know. You need to stop acting like you got a Christian living with you. You don't. You have a Canaanite in your house. And you need to talk to him like a Canaanite. Come here. Let's have a Canaanite discussion. It's a Canaanite. Praise God. We have to talk about this. Because I can't have you driving my car leaving drugs. And I can't have the police stop me and then you don't know how I can't find you. When the, when the police stop you and the, and the drug dog start barking. Woo! 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 You say, why is that dog out of control? You step out the car, please. Step out the car, please. You got your Bible. You out the car on the way to church. You don't know what's going on. I can't like to lift something in your car. And you go into jail and they can't bail you out. Hello. Come on. Say amen. amen. You know why you should do better? Because you was a Canaanite. Oh, now you're going to sit real straight. <laughs> Act like you weren't a Canaanite. You was a Canaanite. You was a Canaanite. Some of you were Canaanite last week. You was a Canaanite. And that's why you can help another one. Come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. You need to focus on what you believe. You need to focus on who is willing to train, change and who's not. Just adjust the relationship. Let's be more real. Let's be more honest. Let's not, let's not play games. Let's tell the truth. I think there's something about having that honest moment with yourself. You need to focus on building your personal arc. I got to protect me. I got to find a way to do that. You're coming in late, you're not here all the time. You're standing out 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, talking about you's praying. Okay, really? Okay, okay. I, I need to find me an ark. I, need, I can't run the risk. I, I need to back up for a moment and get really honest. I made a vow, and you must pray about that. I made a vow to my wife. I'm not going to cheat on you. I will tell you. Now, I, 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 you can, let me tell you something. You ain't got to worry about finding Pastor Rick. You can put your videos up and everything. Pastor Rick will come and tell you. I have decided to be a fool. <laughs> Starting 2 o'clock today. So, it's my last sermon. <laughs> I'll make some money another way. You don't have to videotape me. I'm going to tell you, here's what I'm doing. And I told her. I mean, I mean that. I told Diana, I'm not playing. I'm not putting. I'm not, I'm not, I don't. Listen. Listen. Stop. Stop it. Pause. Think about what you're doing. I, this comes a moment when I have to say, hey, it's just me. I can't let that happen. I, Noah said, no, I'm not. Here's the last point. I can't drown with people I love. 
Come on, amen. I can't, I can't do that. I love you, but I can't drown with you. There comes a moment when we got to pause here and say, we can't drown in this in Jesus' name. Uh, there's a lot of church folks, a lot of Christian people go to church, but some of them, I, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't join in that. I, 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 can't, I can't live that compromised life. I, I just can't. I can't be you. I'm Do that. That's fine. God bless you, brother. Listen, I'm not, I'm not the one. When preachers start asking me, do I have a girlfriend? Why are you asking me that? What is your problem? What is you? No, I have a wife. I don't have a girlfriend. I don't listen. If I'm gonna get a girlfriend, I'm gonna leave my wife and get one. I'm not gonna keep my wife and get one. That's just me. Do what you want to do. It's your life. That's your business. You can play hide and seek and run around and all them double lives and lies here and lie. I refuse. I want to be free. I want to be free. I want to be free. And so I just think that I just have to decide. And, and you're gonna see this in our series next month because that's why. I believe you have to take a new approach. You have to say, I don't want that in my life. And I want a different life. I don't want to be broke. I'm sorry. Maybe, maybe that's what you want for your life. Maybe you want a leader who don't want anything, but I'm not the brother. You need to get somebody else in here. Get Mr. Broke in here, somebody who don't have any vision, and let him lead you nowhere. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be the person beating people over the head. Here's what I want. I want a family of people who want something in life. Amen. Come on, say amen. I want people who want something in life. I close with this. I read something the other day. I posted it on my, on my website, rickytemple.com. Rickytemple.com has um, articles I put up. And um, in these articles, if you go to rickytemple.com, R-I-C-K-Y temple.com, click on menu, there is uh, books I'm reading. And I'm about to post another five books or so. Um, and I'll do it next week sometimes. And then I have um, uh, articles I'm reading. So you click in articles, and, and I have them in alphabetical order. And under politics, uh, there's articles, there's one under economy where I have an article about, um, it's an article about finances. And it made this statement that just really kind of bothered me. And if I could be really ethnic for a minute, here's what it said. It said that black people, this is amazing, it would take them 228 years to catch up. I thought that was ridiculous. I said, you know what, the devil is a liar. That won't be me, praise God. I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not going to be that person. And so pastoring a predominantly black church, uh, I thought to myself, I thought, so what that means is that we can't, ha we can't have much. The devil is a liar. Come on, say amen. And so what, uh, what I said to myself was, I said, uh, I will not allow myself to believe that our church and our people can advance. I believe with all my heart that we have to have a new way of thinking. And so I'm going to pray a prayer for you in Jesus' name. And I'm going to pray this prayer that God would stir up your mind. And so stand up on your feet with me, would you please? And um, I, I, want, I want you to, to rise up with me and believe that God's hand is on your life. And God's call is on your life. And that no weapon formed against you will prosper. Come on. I will not be denied. I will not be defeated. I will not lose faith. I will not become discouraged. I will not be a person who 
does not advance in his life. I will not be lost. I will not be a person who believes that his future is going to be controlled by anybody. I may be black, but I'm blessed. Come on, say man. I'm blessed. not putting anybody down for being any color or any race. I have friends from everywhere. My phone is very integrated. Internationally, I got friends in every place, about every continent. But the devil wants you to believe you can't have. You know why the faith movement made such a big push in the world back in the 80s and 70s? Because they understood one important principle. What kills you is your lack of faith. People used to mock, say, blab it, grab it, and all that. But you know why that, that was important to say? Because you don't believe in yourself. And it's not just black people. It's white folks. It's Asian folks. It's people from all ethnic groups have the same issue. Somebody told you that you can't have. I, 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 I can't. I look at our future. I rode by here last night. And here's what I said. Look at all the property. Lit up, beautiful. I said, the best thing I can do for these people is lead them out of debt. Come on, say amen. That's the best thing. They only owe, I think it's 2.7. We owe, we, we got about several million dollars worth of property out here. So we, we may have 20% of our property incurred but in debt. It's not bad. That's it. I mean, if your assets, that's pretty good. Our deferred maintenance is pretty good. We probably have a, less than $100,000 worth of stuff. And that's, you know, that happens because you got a lot of property and a lot of stuff. You know, trees tear up concrete. And, but, but I just believe that. Jesus is calling us to a place of wealth and prosperity so that we can do amazing things. And we're going to shock everybody. We ain't waiting no 228 years and we ain't waiting for nothing. God's hands on us and we're going to be blessed right now. Come on, say amen. God's going to bless us right now. Come on, people. God's going to bless us right now. Come on, people. Are you joining the preaching? God's going to bless us right now. Come on, lift your hands up and praise Him. Come on, shout like you want to be blessed today. Hallelujah. Of Jesus. Father God, I declare over your people's life today your grace, a different mindset, a different way of thinking, a different way of viewing the world. I ask you, Lord God, to bless and prosper your people. But it starts with an attitude, it starts with a spirit, it starts with a vision, it starts with a way of thought fiery determination that says not me if it's just me it's just me I'm not drowning with anybody in Jesus name I'm not going to let anybody drag me down drag down my faith drag down my confidence I'm not letting anybody drag me down in Jesus name I'm not accepting that and I will not be afraid and I will not be intimidated in Jesus name so God we join together today by faith now with every head bowed every eye closed I also pray for people who've never given their lives to Jesus. There are people in this room who need to be right with God. They know it. 
No time for games. No time for games. If you're in here today and you say, Pastor Rick, I want you to pray for me because I need to start with God today. I want you with every hand down just for a moment just so I can see who's responding. I want you right now, if you know that's you, raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Right now, today is your day. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. Anybody else? I'm looking for you. Anybody else? Say, Pastor, pray for me today. Pray for me today. Pray. I see you. God bless you. I see you. I see you. I see all of you. Thank you. Father, I see you waving back there. Amen. I see you. Father, touch them all. I see you. I see you all. In Jesus' name, touch them by the power of the Holy Spirit. Heal them, oh God. Touch them. Oh God, in Jesus' name. Oh God, I, I lift up before you these 15 plus people who raise their hands. Touch them, oh God. Break the yoke in Jesus' name. Let this be a time of deliverance and strength for them. We accept nothing less than God's best for our lives. And we celebrate you today in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. amen. Give God one more big hand clap. Come on, praise God. Come on, praise the Lord.